Comments made on the Ceratoc Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratoc Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. Triple click home. Howdy, everybody. I'm back. This is Alina. She's Roberts, back. That's and, right. And uh, welcome to episode 24 of Triple Click Home. And I'm joined by my two favorite co-hosts, Mr. Buddy Brandon. We're two. Our what? favorite. We are two years old. Yeah. We're are we going to start saying no old. all the time now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, we, I guess we should start acting our age, no? <laughs> I no. do that all the time. I mean, no. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and that other voice you're hearing is Mr. John Vanneries. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Very cool. Yes, we are apparently two as of this podcast. Uh, we're also 24, so we're in this like combination. I'm an infant, and apparently, I'm gonna have my oh, what do they call that? Your young adult life crisis? No, oh, there's, yeah. there's there's some yeah. special word for 25 that can have a life crisis. At is there? I've never heard of this quarter life crisis. Oh, that's what it is. Quarter life is that the new term now? Everybody's gonna have crisis. Yeah, so we're or approaching crises. our quarter life crisis, oh. and we're two. So apparently, I don't know. I don't know either. But what? But one thing that I do know is that we're sure glad to have you back this month. That's right. That's oh. right. we missed you. Well, I'm glad to be back. And we do want to thank Justin Romack for playing the part of Alina Roberts last month. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he did a great job. I was awesome really glad job. that you guys had a chance to have three of you on the show. And hopefully Justin will come back and join us on another podcast because it's good to have other voices. I'm still looking for females that want to join us so that we can have some more estrogen in the room. Sometimes it's a little uncomfortable, <laughs> but... It's all in good fun, right? I don't know how to. I don't know how to take that, John. Yeah, I, I know. I, I may <laughs> may be sick that day. <laughs> no, Sorry, the, Jamie. The, I'm, uh, she's uncomfortable right. with us. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I'm uncomfortable with it. So, like clearly, four or five of you against one. <laughs> oh, we don't do that to you. But that's why I said no. it's all. It's all in good fun, right? Yes. So she has fun being uncomfortable. That's right. <laughs> Good humor and jocularity. That's what it's all about. Well, let's start with the top of the news. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, as we all are aware, Mavericks is out. And if you are one of us who have upgraded to Mavericks, you might be noticing some frustrating bugs. And glad to announce that the first Big update to Mavericks has already been pushed to developers. So, John, you want to tell us a little bit about that, if you've actually decided to play with that beta, and what should we expect as voiceover users? I haven't actually gotten to play with it yet, but from what I've read in that oh, article, okay. it's actually one of the rare times I've actually seen voiceover specifically mentioned as a... A focus area. What was it? Voiceover, mail, and something. Yeah, voiceover, mail, and... Else, mail yeah. and graphics. I think it was graphics, graphics, wasn't it? Yeah. Which is pretty hilarious that those are two very opposite things. <laughs> well, mail, definitely, they need to do some still... I mean, they had the little minor update to mail, but I still don't think that fixed a yeah, lot I'd, of things. It's still having mm. problems. No, well, for example, there's still no great way to access attachments for Quick Look... Yep. I also really don't like that when you save your attachment you now. You just have to save all of them. Yeah. Right. You don't actually know what they're called unless you can see it in the email. Right. right. 
which is kind of freaky. Like, there have been a couple times that I've downloaded an attachment from somebody I trust, so I'm not worried about the file being a problem. But then I have to go into my documents folder and hope that I can figure out what it's called. Right. <laughs> Here's how I've sort of gotten around that. Okay. I have documents and downloads folders in my doc. And if you set the view on those folders to list, uh-huh. you can press return on the folder and it'll open it in a menu type thing. And it's sorted from newest to oldest from top to bottom. Right. So then you okay. can just see what the... Right, what the latest one would be. One thing that I found out by accident, though, is at least on some kinds of attachments, you can get to, if they're audio attachments anyway, I went into the item chooser on an email that I got, and uh-huh. at the bottom of the item chooser, there was a spiffy audio control toolbar that I was able to then listen to the attached wow. audio. Wow, I didn't know see But it only shows in the item chooser. It doesn't show, if you don't go into the item chooser, you can't get to it. That's true for web pages too, sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. Right. You know. No? Uh, yeah. No, you know what? Now right. that you mentioned that, I'm going to have to try that because you know, like when you're playing a YouTube video, before you yeah. start playing it, you've got the video toolbar, but then once you right. hit play, that thing disappears. Right. So, is it still active in the item chooser? Then that's a good point. I'm going to have to check. Ah, the joys of being voiceover users. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, I would say I'm pretty happy with the upgrade to Mavericks. There are definitely some things that I'm not enjoying, including the frustrations with mail and accessing the threads of different emails. That's the thing that bugs me the most. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I finally, though, can see all of the messages that I've sent, regardless of what device I sent it on. And it used to be the only way I could check all of my sent mail was to go onto my iPhone, because it was the only one that got all of the information. My Mac would only ever tell me things that I sent from my Mac. And I was like, uh... This is not helpful. (laughs) I can view messages in a thread now, and that's working better. I think the latest mail updates fix some of it. It's not as good as it should be, though. No, it's not, because, you know, after you delete the first one, you still have to interact with the next one to get it. Right. Has anybody else noticed that if you type a search into the toolbar, if you search for something, sometimes it seems to stop searching for stuff that you know is there, but it stop searching a couple of weeks early. Hmm. Oh, no. Uh, I haven't had that problem. If I delete an email, and I know it's still in my deleted folder, sometimes it, I don't know, maybe it's just that I'm not typing it right or something, but sometimes I can't find it. Hmm. I use the search a lot, and I haven't noticed that, but I'll pay more attention. Well, like I say, it could just be that I'm typing something that I think should be in there, but I'm typing it not quite the way that it's actually there. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Not I. But I've gotten to make tables and that's pretty neat. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that only was with pages though, right? It doesn't work Correct. with text edit or, or like nicest no. or anything like that. No, and you still can't read past the first page on text edit unless you turn on wrap to window. Thank right. you, John. Oh, so that's I, how you fix that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got to do that wrap to wing. But it's also a problem in some of my other document apps. So at this point, Pages is pretty much my exclusive application. I was talking to a friend of mine, well, listeners to the uh, Talk podcast know Robert Dittman, and uh, he uses a Mac exclusively in his new fledgling law practice. And um, he's having some problems with Pages. He couldn't figure out, for example, how to set things to double space or to do like a one and a half space. That's in the formatter. Yeah. 
Oh, so is that accessible somehow? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Figure out how. And of course, the tech support was like, oh, we don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's I in think the formatter. Formatter. I uh-huh. think you can also get it through it through the inspector window. If I'm not mistaken, I could because I confuse word processes sometimes. But right. if he does a option command I for the inspector window, I think he can get it through there. But okay. I may be incorrect there, so don't quote me on that because, like I said, I get confused sometimes. And then the formatter is where in preferences. If you stop interacting with the document layout spot. You can VO to the right, and it's right there. Oh, yeah, that's right. And you can interact with that area. Okay, mm-hmm. fantastic. There you go, Rob. I'm looking out for you, buddy. <laughs> nice. So along with these things in iWork, Apple is promising to bring back features that they took away. Well, yeah, the keyboard shortcuts would be nice to have back. <laughs> yeah. Very helpful. You remember, John, Ann Roberts on one of those Mac lists was saying about how things like the mail merge and stuff have disappeared, and she's quite upset about this. Right. Looks like a lot of that stuff is going to come back over the next six months, which I'm sure a lot of people are happy about. But, you know, the reason was that they had to rewrite the whole app from scratch. But there's some speculation I saw in this one article that they were saying that they had to basically make pages simpler to make it more congruent with the iPhone app. Right. And so maybe that's going to be good for everyone when they put all that stuff back. I'm wondering if they're going to allow it to open RTFs again. That would be nice. Funny you should say that because I was just going to make the comment that I find it very disconcerting <laughs> that you can't open RTF documents in pages. I mean, RTF is, yeah. you know, I, I don't understand the decision that well, went into that. It's fairly universal. Yeah. Very universal. It's kind of a problem because you can save RTF documents to iCloud in uh, text edit, but then you can't open them on your iPhone. Right. Really been frustrated with that because I have some files, you know, prior to John explaining to me how to fix the whole reading past page one, you know, I have all these RTF files on my computer that I'm thinking, well, what the heck am I going to do? I can't read past page one. This is ridiculous. Well, one of the things you can do, try this out. When you're on the RTF file in Finder, do a control option shift M for the shortcut menu and select open uh-huh. with. Choose the earlier version of pages. It should still show up on your system. It so, does, yes. Yes. And, and that should open it. Yeah, that's definitely something that I wanted to be sure that we mentioned is that the earlier version of pages, if you were upgrading to the new it's pages, still on the your earlier computer. stuff yeah, is still, still there. there. If you look in the Now, one frustrating folder, thing is when you there. open pages 4.3, it asks you, Every single time yeah, if you to want to upgrade. upgrade. I know. It's like, uh, I already have it. <laughs> I've also been happy with numbers. And so apparently there's some things that are coming back with numbers as well. But, you know, the fact that I can access a spreadsheet's been pretty yes. awesome. So I haven't gotten my head around numbers at all. It really reminded me of Excel, buddy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they've changed it then because I know the older version, I just couldn't get my head around it. And so I was using tables which is another spreadsheet program. Yeah, I'll have to try the new one. Yeah, no, it's been nice. I have a couple of Excel sheets this term that I've had to be able to access. And reading it to me is just like reading an Excel file. So one question that I haven't had answered yet because I haven't had to put my tables that I've created on my computer in a printed form or in a form that a sighted person would have to be able to read is that there's this option in the format section under pages that asks if you want it to expand to the size of the text. And I've chosen to do that because 
the screen reader will still read it even if it's not visually there. So I don't know how that whole sizing issue goes with tables, but I do know that you can expand them. That's a problem really with anything tabular like that, I think, because we don't know oh, what yeah. it's going to look like when you run right. it off on the printer. Right. That's exactly it. I mean, the only test is to really hand it to a sighted person and say, how does this look? Right. <laughs> you know, and let them tell Yeah, I had, I had a problem with Excel back in the day because I was filling out these Excel spreadsheets for my job and I'd get my coworkers that are like, um, so Alina, there's not a lot of text here. And then they would take their mouse and they would make the cell bigger. And they're like, oh, there it is. <laughs> Oops. It's like, I can't. And how are we to know, right? That. Right, right. Yeah, right. Exactly, because the screen reader Because we're just it. typing, 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 right. typing, typing, typing. And it's like, oh, cool. This box expands to fill my verboseness. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, buddy? It should just do that for us, don't you think? I think so. It should. Uh, yeah, I think so, too. So the good news, I think, from our perspective for all of our listeners is that we're really excited that we can finally access things that we should have been able to have access to years ago. We're really sorry for all of you who are missing out some of your features that you uh, apparently are missing. I don't miss any of them because I guess I don't really understand the point. But Apple does plan on bringing back those things. But if we're missing keyboard shortcuts, then I would really like those back. Right, Keyboard shortcuts. And if you really want to rearrange your toolbar, you're going to be able to do that here in a little while. Right. Which I don't really do. I guess guess people people do do that. So... Beyond the Mac, let's talk a little bit about iOS 7, and 7.1 has also been released in beta to developers, Yes, and apparently there are some changes, and a lot of them have to do with accessibility. Yeah. So again, looky, looky, now on iOS. A lot of visual accessibility, and apparently there are people that really, really, really don't like some of the lack of contrast and so forth, so now you're going to be able to fix that. Which is good. And you're going to be able to have a dark keyboard. I wonder, is that going to address the concern that I've seen from people that they just couldn't see the keyboard, that the font was too thin? That might be it, yeah. yeah. I would have to check with it because I do have a couple of low vision clients and they were kind of excited about this news. And let's remind our listeners that a majority of people with vision impairments in the world are low vision rather than being totally blind. So... Having really good contrast is very important. And, you know, the screens of our iPhones and iPads and any iOS device at this point is really, really crisp. And that's one of the really good benefits of having the retina display. And if you take away that contrast, though, for a lot of low vision people, that's just it. There's nothing they can do because their eyes are just not going to focus. Yeah, Melanie's been really frustrated by some of that. So... When the 7.1 comes out, I think that she'll be quite pleased. I hope. By the way, she loves her new iPad Air. Oh, nice. Yeah, I finally got to look at one. And I've been thinking about the Retina display mini. Yeah, I I was blown away because I actually bought one for a good friend of mine. And and I was like, wow, I got to get me one of them. Yeah. You know, I honestly think that if we had an iPad in the house, I would want it to be the mini, though. The 10-inch screen really bugs me. You don't really notice it, though, on the air. It's kind of strange. I I was like, I thought it was a mini. I thought they made a mistake and they sent the mini instead of the (laughs) full-size one. So I don't know if that's just a, you know, because of the weight. I think that that was just a weight thing, Yeah, I guess so. Because it really is very light. Yeah, Yeah. it is very light. You wouldn't think that you'd notice a four or five ounce difference, but But you you really do. do. Yes. 
Sometimes I'm worried that my 5S, because it's so much lighter than my 4S, you know, in my head, it's so much lighter. And I'm like, yeah. you know, is it going to fly out of my hand? <laughs> Does it doesn't weigh anything. Isn't that funny? Because it also feels a lot bigger. Oh, yeah. Unless you put it right beside the 4S. And then it's like, yeah, it's, it's not, not that, that much, much bigger. bigger. So we have some more update news. There have been some great new updates to Sendero Lookarounds app, which is now free. 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 Yay. I wonder if that's Sendero's nod to the people that say that they want to sort of try it out, but they don't want to pay $69 for seeing IGPS just in case they wouldn't like it. You know, the apps are totally different. I don't really know. No, no, they they definitely are. I'm just wondering, though. Yeah. I'd like to see them come out with a monthly option for those guys. But if you want that, in fact, I'm thinking that I'm probably going to hurry up and buy the Seeing Eye GPS app. If you're going down to uh, somewhere new, I recommend it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because, you know, I can use a combination of Blind Square with Navigon with... With Look Around with... (laughs) With um, Around Me... All together, or but, Ariadne, you know, having, or Ariadne, and, and Ariadne, because I have all of them. But <laughs> it would be so much nicer to just you, you know. And mind you, when I get the Seeing Eye GPS app, it's not going to replace, for example, uh, Navigon because Navigon stores no, the maps locally. You know, because there are times when you lose data connectivity. Oh yeah. So it's good to have something like that, but. When I was beta testing it, I really enjoyed that. And now that I've got a phone that has the network that doesn't drop every freaking five minutes, (laughs) it'll probably be much, much better. It'll make a big difference. Yeah, no joke. And speaking of navigation, we actually have a story in our show notes, which we'll point you to, guys, which is a review of five accessible GPS applications. I think it's a pretty good review. I think they're missing some. Well, yeah, but was it me? Did it sound like they basically said that really none of the solutions are perfect on their own? I mean, it just seemed like they were It kind of did. Yeah, there really wasn't one app that they really said was better than the other. They just mm-hmm. kind of start off by saying, this right. is the good thing, this is the good thing, but it doesn't do this, 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 this. So it's like I was kind of right. left sitting there going okay, if I really had to choose between these five, I don't think I'm going to choose any of them. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think that's the reality of the situation, right? Yeah, which sure. I think it's true. The thing is that they had the mainstream ones at the bottom, and it seems to me that both Apple and Google Maps pretty much said, look, these aren't really going to be of as much use to you as a blind person as some of these others. And I disagree. I disagree also because I use the Maps app. Yeah. And honestly, there is no GPS solution out there, in my opinion, that would actually solve many of my own navigational problems, which are completely related to obstacles or intersections that are not designed in ways that I understand. So the other day, I was at an intersection that I don't go to very often, and it's got this humongous rounded curb, and so I asked my guide to go find, you know, the other place where we could cross. And she did her left turn because that's what they're used to. Okay, I'm going to cross the other direction. And then she finds this curb. And I'm like, why is there a curb going up? Because I know I'm on the other side of the street. And so Uh we go another five feet and we turn left again. And there's that same curb. And I'm like, okay, I can hear my traffic. I understand that I know that I'm not on the street that I know what direction I'm going. Why is there this curve? And I had to finally have some sighted person explain to me, oh, this is for it to look pretty. Awesome. And your crosswalk is another 15 feet. Oh, and I'm like, uh, how convenient. Okay. 
So where's the GPS app that's going to tell me that I am this bizarrely shaped intersection? I keep threatening to bring my set of uh, garden shears with me on my walk so that I can chop off branches hanging over the sidewalk. Yeah, do your own You should totally do it. Yeah. I totally You're should. I love it. It's only slightly illegal. <laughs> only slightly. Well, no, it's illegal for them to have their branches overhanging the freaking sidewalk. So That's right. I'm saving them from a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> it's my public service. See that? You know, I was saying to somebody the other day, there's a reason why people who move to new towns will often go and call up their state agency and say, I would like some mobility lessons in the new neighborhood that I'm living in. And it's because even when you have the greatest navigational skills that a blind person can have, you're going to find things that you just don't have a clue how the heck you're supposed to deal with because it doesn't make any sense. This brings to mind Buddy's axiom on technology, which is (laughs) technology is wonderful except when it's not and only in its proper context. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So getting me turn-by-turn directions is only great when I actually can navigate to said location. There you go. So we'll get off our topic of navigation because I'm pretty sure I could do a whole day of talking about the joys of navigating. We also have some new apps that have come out and some new upgrades. A voice dream reader continues to become more amazing. Yeah, I think Jonathan's a little late to the party on yeah, this I think so. uh, with I this think article. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he decided to cover the app now when you know we interviewed the developer months ago. Uh, yeah, we've all known Voice Dreams pretty awesome for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, I recommend it to everybody. If you so choose, you can go and read Mr. Jonathan Mosin's uh, review of Voice Dream Reader. I know one of the new upgrades is that you can now use audiobooks. Inside of I got a question about that. Okay. It'll do Daisy too, but specifically for audiobooks, for MP3s, do you have uh-huh. to upload like each file individually or can you upload a folder as an audiobook? Because, you know, some of these audiobooks have like 268 different like little five minute MP3s. Files. Yeah. Right? Right. Ooh. I have no idea. I haven't actually done it. John, have you no. tried out the audiobook no, feature? I, haven't. I usually use it for this text. This is what I would right. say. So leave us an eye report if you've actually gone in to Voice Dream Reader and uploaded an audiobook and tell us what that's like. Resources at serotalk.com. Leave a comment on our homepage on the tripleclickhome.com blog. Or yep. uh, send, send us, us a, a tweet, tweet. Where we have over 4,000 followers. We just rock like that. Thank you all. <laughs> it's, it's just awesome. The checks are in the mail. Don't worry. We are so humbled. <laughs> and... uh Even though we already knew that Voice Dream Reader was awesome, we'll still put a plug out there for Mr. Winston because he's pretty awesome and I'm so happy that he's continuing to upgrade the app. Papa Sangre is now out and um, I'm only going to say that I'm a little hurt that you didn't put my review in the show notes, but (laughs) that's okay. You could add it later. Oops. Actually, we'll add it now. It will be there as the listeners go to triplecoinhome.com. Alina's review will be in the show notes. Okay. There you go. I bought it. I love it. it. I, I, I bought it. I fun. haven't had time to play it yet. I have been so busy. I understand. I have actually only gotten through about level eight. Well, I will just say level that eight. That's all. Yeah, there, there. Let me tell you what, John. Getting to level eight took me a long time because I kept dying. 
One of the big complaints about the original Papa Sangre was that it was too easy. Oh, well, they I think they fixed that. <laughs> the deal was that it was really one of the first games of its kind. It was, I think, oh, as yeah. much a proof of concept as anything. And, you know, it wasn't marketed specifically to blind people that are used to these kinds Correct. of things, but also to sighted people that, uh, you know, this is kind of a new thing, so it wouldn't be so easy for them. But yeah, like you said, I understand that they have overcome this particular objection by making it quite a bit more difficult to play. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, there were multiple tweets that went out, I don't even know how to get past this. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> but it's good. It's, you know, working with the gyroscope is pretty cool and moving your phone around is pretty fun. Sean Bean has this awesome voice. So I got to just say that I'm enthralled just listening to him, even though it's creepy and he's like, talking to me as a dead person. <laughs> so kudos to them, though, for getting somebody. Because the awesome thing about Papa Sangre 2 is that most of the reviews that you're going to see on the web are from mainstream companies. Like Buddy said, this is not a game for the blind. It was not targeted towards us, and nor should it be. It's a game that anybody can play. And I think for the sighted community, it's actually a fantastic game because it makes them think about where they are in space without using their eyeballs. I love this one quote from the page that we're linking to that says something like, um, this uses the awesomest panoramic something display. Oh, yeah. Uh, your mind. <laughs> Is awesome. Yeah. It's like, you know, we always say about old time radio, the pictures are so much better, right? Right. Have you gotten to play, John? No, I don't even have time to breathe half the time these last couple of weeks. So. Oh, okay. Well, you guys should put it on your list of things to do. Maybe after you're yeah, done eating some will. turkey and pumpkin pie, you can have some Papa Maybe Sangre. Maybe when time. I'm traveling, I'll uh, play Papa Sangre. There you go. Let's finish this section on a note of a change in cost. Oh, like this hasn't been a huge freaking story oh, everywhere. I, I'm kind of tired of hearing okay. people complaining so, uh, about So I think the three of us, probably even Jamie, if he wanted to put in his two cents, would all agree that Tap Tap C deserves any money that they ask of me. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Stop complaining. Quit your grinches. There have been Please. multiple times that I needed somebody to be able to read something or identify something for me. And you know what? I was the only one available. So having access to Tap Tap C has been fantastic. And I think that we should applaud the developers for continuing to be open-minded and take the feedback that we've been giving them and make their app even better over the time that it's been out. Now, they've been very clear that they wanted to keep the service free. They really don't want to charge for it, but they also have to eat right. and live and continue about, on with folks. their own lives. They want to keep providing the app. And so right. all of y'all yeah. that sent all your butt photos in have probably contributed to this. So right. I'm sure that people now have to pay a subscription fee of some sort. We'll probably cut down on the butt photos. Right. But besides that, okay, so one of the big complaints I've heard is that, well, it takes me several pictures to get a positive ID. Well, okay, yeah, sometimes, sometimes it, it does. does. And here's the thing, okay? Usually it doesn't take me more than three pictures to get a positive ID. I think once it took me four. Again, technology is wonderful except when it isn't. And the thing is, technology has its limitations, and you just have to understand what those limitations are 
and work within them. What if you don't have somebody that can read this stuff for you or what or whatever? I think that it's probably better right? to pay seven cents a picture. Seven cents a, a freaking picture, picture yeah. y'all. Come on. Well, and when you pay the $10 a month, it's unlimited. So seven cents a picture is the most you're going to pay. Right. So if you're really worried about, because one of the things is, well, you know, I'm going to waste all my pictures. Okay, so here's what you do, because you can get good at this. So what you do is you subscribe for the monthly at nine ninety nine. Practice, get really good at taking the pictures so that you understand about where your camera is right. in relation Spatial to relations where stuff is stuff. and lighting and all that. Get all that worked out in that month. Take a gazillion pictures, okay? And then if you find that you don't use it that much over a month, then buy the hundred pack of pictures for eight right. bucks. That's how you solve that problem. Right. It's not a lot to ask. Nope. I mean, just because you're blind doesn't mean you get stuff for free, okay? Exactly. So, like, I'm, get over it. And yeah, and that's, that's I'm, I'm, one I'm, of my I'm pet getting about And you're not going to get sympathy out of anybody on this show. No, so. no, no you are I'm not. Sorry. We've all been down the road of living in, in complete and utter poverty because nobody will yes. hire us. Right. Or because of our life situation. You know what, though? We still picked up our feet at the end of the day and figured it out. Right. And yep. I think that the reality is that we have people who don't have a lot of extra money, and I get that. That's totally reasonable, but that doesn't mean that we're going to continue to give you handouts. And I think you can find a way to priorities, put it in your man. Budget priorities, right. priorities. That ten dollars a month is going to mean that you have the independence to be able to take photos of things that you need to identify independently. As I've said to Which friends, do not include people's butts. Right. Do not include things that are inappropriate. Do not include things that you don't need to have a computer identify for right. you. There's the old expression, the difference between luxury and necessity. And I'm sorry if you feel like while you're listening to this that I we're lecturing too. the entire blind community, but I think we need a lecture because it was really, really disappointing to see people complaining on Twitter. And not just complaining, but complaining bitterly. Mm-hmm. Somebody gave them a one-star review on iTunes and said, I'm giving them a one-star review because it used to be free, but now it's not. And it used to be awesome, and now that they're charging me now for, that charging, it's for it, it's not. You know, and it's because, like, you know, sighted people stuff. don't have to pay. Right. Sighted people don't have to pay to identify things. Well, guess what? You ain't sighted. Right. And this is the well, world that we live in. Well, people aren't identifying things. That's not what they use those apps for. They use them for comparison shopping. They know what it is that they're taking a picture of. Right. And the fact of the matter is that sometimes we incur expenses that other people don't. That's just the way it is. That's life. It's the reality. As far as uh, necessity versus luxury. Okay. I would say that Mm -hmm. this is a necessity, Uh especially if you live alone without other sighted people that are pretty much at your beck and call. Even if you have sighted people at your home that you live with. You have the obligation to actually not go to them every five seconds. They don't want to freaking be bothered with your stuff all the time because they got lives of their own. Right. (laughs) Yep. You get four less cups of Starbucks coffee a month. You get like half a pizza less a month. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. I get the whole fixed income thing, man. I was on SSI. To I've done the SSI where most of your check yeah. goes to your rent. Okay? To your rent, yep. Been there, done that. So I'm not unsympathetic to that. I totally get fixed income, but... Get over it. Okay, I'm all done. <laughs> I can all right. Thank you for listening to our soapbox. And now... <laughs> now we're going to lose 3,998 <laughs> followers. <laughs>
Okay, so now that we're done with our soapbox, and we hope that you will listen with the reality that we're being very serious because we care about the independence of our community. That this is not a we're attacking people. This is a, you know, as a future teacher of the visually impaired, my job is going to be striving for my students to be as independent as possible. Right. Not because getting help from other people is a bad thing, because it's not. Getting help from everybody, other people is a good everybody thing. Gets everybody help. needs help. But you have to be self-sufficient and resourceful and realize that there are times when you need to do it on your own if you can. Here's the thing. So okay. take the power. People keep saying <laughs> that as blind people we want equality. Yep. Do you want equality or do you want special? That simple. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yep. If you're an equal, then you pay for the goods and services that you use. Simple as that. So here's JB Pauls talking with uh, the developer of TapTapC about these recent changes. And we'll see you on the flip side of that interview. This month on the Triple Click Home Podcast, I'm pleased to visit with Dimitri of TapTapC. Dimitri, welcome to the Triple Click Home Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is a big pleasure. You know, it's a big honor to be on your show. Several months ago, we had the honor of visiting with Brad, and we talked about TapTapC and a little bit about what it was. But just in case someone is listening for the first time, why don't you go ahead and give us a quick rundown of what the app is and what it does? Okay, no worries. TapTapC is an application for the iOS that's designed for the blind and visually impaired. It's 100% accessible. It allows a user to double tap the screen with the use of voiceover to take a picture of any object and get an instant identification of that object for them. It's not only restricted to objects. You know, we had users that would take a picture of the room, you know, to see what, what is in the room. Some people even send pictures of, you know, themselves or of another individual just try to see, you know, what the application says. But the app is 100% accessible. It works with uh, voiceover. And... um it's a recognition app. Great. And it's been extremely popular in the blind community. It's one of those apps that really seems to have taken the community by storm. Were you surprised, or I'm certain that you were pleased by the success that the app has had? You know, we were excited. Honestly, the way the community got behind TapTapsy was amazing. We didn't do any extra marketing with it, really. We've done a lot of um, word of mouth, you know, just talking to people that use applications We've uh, made it a point to be a very approachable and transparent company. We've um, participated in podcasts such as yours. Twitter, our Twitter account is to at TapTapC is very active. We've participated in Google groups, you know, certain Facebook conversations. So we've made it a point to be very involved in the community. We've always answered all the emails that come in, and um, it's been a pleasure. The community got behind us. The app has been available for over a year now, so... I suppose identifying pictures is something relatively new to the blind community. I think it would be safe to say that, thanks to smartphone apps and that sort of thing. You know, I used the app the other day, and I took a picture of uh, some kitty treats that I had nearby me, and the name of the treats were red, and and I think a little marketing slogan that was on the can was also red. I'm curious, because... Obviously, if I take a picture of a room, and there are people in the room, and that is described for me, I'm going to know that there are humans involved. But yet, I suspect that sometimes there's an automated process as well. Can you take us through the recognition process a little bit? Uh, Definitely. 
So we have a proprietary technology. We use a combination of computer vision as well as crowdsourcing, as you pointed out. Mm-hmm. Crowdsourcing, we do not use any volunteers for. When you take a picture of an image, it first goes to the computer. If the computer fails to recognize, it will bounce off to one of the humans that will, one of the participants in the crowdsource. That individual will then identify it and send the identification back to you. That is also why, you know, some people say that they can take a picture of the same object, for example, and they would get different kind of uh, responses. Part of the reason is because, you know, either computer recognizes it or, you know, maybe it's if you take the picture three times, let's say one time is the computer, the other two times it's a human, but it's two different humans. So in that case, obviously, you know, the identification might not be the exact same. So this is a very seamless process, and it would seem to me that it might be difficult for me to know or perhaps even to care in some instances whether the computer or an individual rendered a description back. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. um, You know, one of the things that we do say and we advise is for um, our users not to take pictures of personal information. Part of it is also, you know, we do not want to have that anywhere in the database. For example, you know, a credit card or a driver license or billing information is just one of those things that it's always better not to put it out there because it's personal information and you don't know what's going to happen to it. And, you know, it's a way to protect your privacy and a way to protect us as well. So we always advise people not to do that. But of course, you know, sometimes you need to. I believe we we mentioned that on Twitter and somebody responded with, well, how do you expect us to identify things? And we said, listen, this is an advice. If you need to take a picture of something and, you know, you need that identification, we completely understand. We're just putting it out there. Like, you know, we don't necessarily advise that. But to answer your question, you know, yeah, it depends what you're looking for. If you're very concerned about who the picture goes to, then maybe this application would not be for you in that case. But we make it a point that that's part of the reason also that we don't use volunteers. You know, everything that we do is monitored and we always watch the quality of things. So we know that there are people involved. We know that those people are Mm -hmm. paid in some capacity to do this sort of thing. And you've made comment on Twitter about the fact that the uh, image recognition does cost as well the licensing. Is that correct? The whole back end of technology itself, it it ends up costing money. And I mean, we're going to get into it in a minute, I'm sure. But, you know, our recent change with the pricing is a big hot topic right now. And I'm more than happy to discuss it with you as well. Indeed. And in fact, I do want to get into that. Uh, you recently stated that TapTapC would need to be a subscription-based product. And I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar, but just in case anyone isn't, go ahead and give us basically the two options and the, the trial option mm-hmm. that are available right now. Sure. So TapTapC, due to the high cost, you know, we were not able to keep it free as we've had done in the past. We've kept it free for over a year. Our initial goal was to keep it free as long as we could and, you know, forever. But unfortunately, the cost started piling up. And then we got to a point where it's like we either have to shut down the application completely or we need to transition into a paid model. The paid model is a subscription-based. And one of the big questions that we always ask is why can't we do a one-time fee? A big reason for that is because since the costs are ongoing, so every time a picture is taken and we process it, that costs us. So if, for example, a user only pays $10 and it's a one-time fee, you know, when that money runs out, then we're back at square one. So that was the big reason why we had to do it as subscription-based. Now, as you mentioned, there are two options. There's one option, which is a 100-picture pack for $7.99. Now, that picture pack, those 100 pictures, you do not have a time limit on them. 
you can use them over a period of a month, three months, six months. That's at your discretion as much as you need. Then the other package is a one month of unlimited pictures for $9.99. Anytime you purchase either one of those packets, you buy it through your iTunes account. So there's a 20-picture trial. After those 20 pictures are up, then you will have a message that's going to be uh, that's going to pop up on your screen saying, you know, to continue using TapTapC, you need to purchase one of those packages. You select which package you want, either the $7.99, that's 100 pictures, or the $9.99, which is one month of unlimited use, and then you enter your iTunes ID password because those purchases are made through the iTunes account. And you just have to confirm it. Once you confirm it, you're off to go and take more pictures. We did install a counter into the About section. So now mm -hmm. users can track the amount of images they have or when their subscription expires. Two things come to my mind. One is, do you think it's possible that in the beginning stages of the app or in the early days of the app that people thought it was a really cool app and had some amazing abilities, but perhaps didn't really realize that there was as much human intervention as was the case at times. Possibly. I mean, if your reference is to, you know, the type of images that would come in, yeah, I mean, that's possible. But you know what? It's one of those situations where it's also discovery period. So mm -hmm. anything new that occurs, you know, it's also discovery period. One of the things that, going back to the community and the great support that we've received, Everything that we've done with the application, you know, when it comes to improving it or updating it, we've done off the feedback of people. And okay. for example, one of those uh, feedbacks that we received was the ability to share pictures that are identified, to share them via social media like mm -hmm. Facebook, Twitter. You know, so sometimes there were pictures that, I mean, again, we cannot speak on why a certain picture is taken, but I'm sure there was a discovery period to some extent. So I'm I'm all impressed with this app, and I'm taking pictures of doorknobs and handrails, and I'm just amazed that it's you know giving me accurate information without perhaps realizing that a an actual human being was taking the time to uh, give me this feedback, possibly. Well, remember, it's not a hundred percent human beings. It's a combination of the two of a computer vision and the crowdsourcing. And, you know, one of the things is that we've always made it a point to be straightforward about the process behind it. Obviously, you know, we're not going to go into details and explain how everything works specifically. Right. But like, you know, the information I laid out for you, it's always been available. We've mentioned it in multiple podcasts or even emails when some people approach us with that question. Yeah. Unfortunately, there seems to be a bit of negative reaction in some quarters to the fact that you've needed to make this a paid app or paid subscription mm -hmm. rather. Was that a bit of a surprise? Is, has there been more of a pushback than you expected or what can you say about that? You know what? To be quite honest, we knew it was going to happen. I don't think any of us expected whether it's going to be a lot of uh, negative response, a big negative sure. response or not. We didn't necessarily have expectation for it. Our main goal was you know, once people start reaching out to us, we need to be available. We need to be available to talk about it. We knew it was going to be a big issue, but we didn't realize how big of an issue it was going to be within the community. And the one thing that I got to say, you know, we are thankful very much so for people caring this much. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes all the feedback that we received, you know, there's a lot of positive feedback. There's some negative sure. feedback. But the fact that there's so much feedback and so many people are willing to, whether it's 
create audio booths or talk about it on Twitter or Google Groups or the Facebook account anywhere or email us about it is amazing because it's just such a pleasure to see people get so involved and to get so engaged. Right. There you go. People care enough about the app to have the discussion. I mean, it could just go away and Mm -hmm. not be discussed. But the fact of the matter is, it is obviously very important to many, many people. And, you know, I suspect that once everything kind of dies down, that you'll find many, many people who truly use the app on a really productive level will have no problem uh, with the subscription that you guys have set. I mean, I'm thinking $8 or $0.08 cents a picture for 100 pictures, more right. or less, is you know quite, quite reasonable to me anyway. Well, you know what? Yeah, we've seen a lot of people sign up for the subscriptions, and we're, mm-hmm. we're very grateful for all the support and you know, for people reaching out and saying, you know what, I understand why you had to charge. It makes perfect sense. There's been times where somebody would have a negative opinion about it, then we would reach out to them, explain the situation, and then they would come back and say, you know what, this may not be for me at the moment, but I understand and thank you for reaching out and telling me what the situation is because I was really upset about it. But the fact sure. that you you know, found me, found this conversation, and you engaged in it, and you explained your side of the story, that helps me understand. And it, you know, it helps me to know that the product that I care about, you care about the user of that product. That's excellent. So can we look ahead a little bit? What are some things that you might want to do in future with the app? Well, we're always working on improving it as far as mm-hmm. the technology behind it, as far as, you know, the accuracy and the quality. There has been, you know, a part of a discussion. People have been giving us advice on how we can improve that because, you know, going back to the whole thing of taking multiple pictures to identify one thing, it may get frustrating and we understand that. One of the things that we did in our last update was if a picture fails to send an image or it times out, you will not be charged the credit for it. So if you have not updated to the last update, please do so because that's very important. So if you ever try to take a picture and it times out, you're not going to get charged. As far as the future, we're definitely looking into ways to improve things. We're looking in how the quality can improve. Again, there's been a lot of feedback, so we've been making notes with that. Another thing that we're doing right now as a tool is we're compiling a list of all the advices that people have when it comes to taking pictures. For some people, it's been easier to take pictures of canned products than others. So we're mm-hmm. trying to reach out to those people who have a system for it and try right. to understand their system. So that way we can make a list of all these tips and put it up on our website. And then from the application, we will probably have a link in somewhere in the About section that will link back to that website with all the tips. Because I think that's very important as well. You know. I participated in a couple of discussions on Google groups and um, it would be one of those situations where someone says, I've never had any luck taking a picture of a canned product with this app. So someone comes in and they're like, well, you know, there's a very easy system. This is the system. And then the individual who said they'd never had any luck, they come back and they say, you know what? Your advice helped me a lot. Thank you. I'm, I'm finally able to use this for canned products. So we want to find those advices. Like mm-hmm. that kind of advice. If you have anything like that, please email us, contact at taptapcapp.com. We'll be more than happy to include it, and it will help everybody. We can all help each other in this point. So you've given the email address. Obviously, your website then is taptapcapp.com. Correct. We will place a link to the App Store in our show notes. You've mentioned Twitter, which is at taptapc. 
Correct. Are there other ways that perhaps we could reach out to you? We're also on Facebook. Just look up Tap Tap C on Facebook, and we have an account. And again, if you have any feedback, you can message us if you don't want it to be public, but you're more than welcome to post on our wall, and we're open to discussion. Again, we've tried to be as transparent with this whole transition as possible, and I think that has been one of the best things about the way we approached it, you know, even Apple Viz discussions that have been going on, we've participated in those as well. So. Yes, you have. I was looking at those this morning, actually. <laughs> well, and that's great, you know, because we want to be we want to be in that conversation. So if there is a conversation about TapTapC, whether it's positive or negative, we don't only look for positive conversations. We respond to the negative ones as well. And if it's, you know, another podcast that's being done, that has something, then we'd be more than happy to reach out and, you know, maybe appear on the show or at least get to talk with the host about it. So always available. Wonderful. I'd like to thank you, Dimitri, for taking the time to visit with us on Triple Click Home. And uh, I suspect that our listeners will reach out to you in a, in a very positive way. So thank you for visiting with us. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a pleasure. I appreciate it. And thank you to the whole community for listening and really caring about our product. Looking for a cross-platform solution to quickly convert printed materials and PDFs into text, MP3, or DAISY formats? Check out Serotext DocuScan Plus. For just $299, use DocuScan Plus on your Windows or Mac computer. Store documents in the cloud for easy retrieval and access them from anywhere. For more information, visit www.docuscanplus.com. So thanks, Jamie, for that interview, and uh, welcome back to both of you who are still here. Yeah, two <laughs> listeners right. who are left. <laughs> you know, like we said, if any of our listeners decide that our uh, our little rant, if you want to call it that, was unacceptable to be listening to, uh, I think you haven't been paying attention because Buddy, John, and I have been very transparent the entire time we've been hosts on this podcast, and uh, this is who we are. So we're not going to put it on lightly for you guys because we're podcast hosts. So let's talk a little bit about Apple and how much money they have and how they have lots of money. I I love fuzzy math though, don't you? (laughs) Don't you love fuzzy math? (laughs) Yeah. It's like a Harry Potter test. So apparently Apple and Samsung account for 109% of industry profits. I don't even know what that means. It's the new math. <laughs> How did we get over a hundred percent? Didn't didn't Hermione Granger once get three hundred and twelve percent on an exam? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I don't really know what the point of this story is, other than to tell us that Samsung and Apple have more money than God. That you can make the numbers do lots of weird things. Funny yeah, things. yeah I, I take these financial things with a grain of salt because you can make it only a grain. Yeah, well, a, a truckload of salt. <laughs> or you like can, it. Yeah, you can make the numbers say whatever you want them to say, and as we'll see in a couple of these stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what's interesting as a stockholder in both Apple and Google. I still scratch my head every single morning when I see Apple was at five. 19 yesterday and Google was at over a thousand fifty and I just did the well, what? <laughs> like 
Yeah, but Apple's got more money. And Apple's just undervalued. Apple does have more money, They're right? So, so undervalued. Their stock at some point, it's going to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when they invent that time machine, that's when that's going to happen. Google's probably needs to be split before bad things happen. But we digress. So Apple is not only awesome because they have a um, combined 109% profit share, <laughs> which we still don't understand. They are also still number one in tablets. There's a big shocker. Were you guys shocked to see that they're still number one in tablets? I wasn't. And, you know, because, you know, the cycle of release, of course, their sales were going to be a little bit down in the earlier quarters because, you know, the air just came out now. You know, it's like it's not rocket science, folks. It's trends that are pretty logical. I've really been in loving these. There's this great new, what's the Microsoft tablet called? The Surface. Yeah, the, the, it's the, 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 the 12 Surface that they've sold. Combo. Oh, God. <laughs> that is a company that just doesn't get it. So, yeah, it's the Surface Combo. It can be a laptop or it can be a tablet, yeah. depending on what you want, except it's like $900 or something ridiculous. Well, yeah, but that's the one that's running a actual desktop Windows operating system and not the cut-down RT version, right? Oh, okay. That's the deal. It's still, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like server protect. You know what I find really interesting about this whole, well, Apple's share of the tablet pie is shrinking, even though... Uh-huh. You know what, what I find really interesting about that is they're comparing Apple to everyone else. Exactly. Nobody seems to... Re- so, like, even if mind. Apple came in second, yeah. it's still Apple versus everyone else. They've only sold yep. 14.6 million iPads compared to the 14.9 they sold the year before in the same quarter. Like, <laughs> I'm a shareholder. I'm giving up Slackers. my stock. Like, let's see how many millions they sell with the air by January. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Have you read a story yet? A story where a school or a district is announcing that they are giving students any other tablet besides the iPad. Nope. Because nope. I haven't seen it nope. yet. Nope. They don't give out Android tablets. They don't give out. They're certainly not giving out Microsoft tablets because that would just be funny. Microsoft might as well just give them away. <laughs> Sorry. I really just. I don't see the benefit of having a Surface. Skeet shooting. Because <laughs> we had a, a middle school here in town who just gave out iPads to every single one of the students. And that's what I keep hearing. What tablet are they giving out in schools? Oh, the iPad. Because, duh. You know what's great about the iPad, guys? It works for all students, including right. kids with multiple disabilities. So you yes. find me an Android tablet that can do the same thing, and then we can have a discussion. You know, Android's coming along, and I think it's fantastic, and I hope... They're actually implementing a lot more stuff. Good. Braille support, large print support, uh, all kinds of stuff. I don't think they've got the uh, switch support and uh, things like that yet, though. Nope, and that really needs to happen. So Google, be listening, because it really is important if you want to get into the school market that you find a way to be accessible for all of your kids. So yes, I love these silly numbers that industry comes up with. Like the next story, which is that Apple Maps is on top, even though Google thinks that it shouldn't be. Yeah, well, obviously people are going to use Apple Maps because, because it's, it's already of, there. Right. That's Again, there's no rocket science involved. If, you, if it's there, you're going to use it. You're not going to necessarily go out of your way to download. Well, and how many times do you think people want to go into an app and actually go to the trouble of inputting their data when all they have to do is 
press the home button for two seconds and say, hey, Siri, can I get directions to X? Right. And she goes, sure. Right, right. <laughs> Ta-da! Which I used extensively People are lazy. Week. Yeah, and I admit, I am too. I'll tell you what, though. I've decided Siri is no longer a form of laziness because I'm working with a client who has MS and very progressed MS, and he's not really capable of moving around the screen independently with gestures, and he can't really use a keyboard either because he just doesn't have the motor skills, but he can press and hold that home button. So last week I got to explore things that I've never even used Siri for, but she can do. And I was like, hey, neat, she'll play your voicemail if you ask her to. And I didn't even know that was possible. Wow, you just taught me something. She'll read you your emails too. Yeah, I know they're reading emails, but I didn't know she'd play voicemails. Wow, now I'm really going to be lazy. (laughs) Thank you. No problem, John. Let's go on even more with some funny numbers because that's the game we're playing for this section of our podcast. Uh, Pandora is still doing just fine after iTunes Radio has been released for the last. This doesn't surprise me at all, especially because of I think they're still working out a lot of the bugs. Question mark with yeah with yes, with iTunes Radio with mm-hmm. iTunes Radio because there are lots of repeats and there are lots of oh uh, they're playing that again. There's lots yeah. of wait. I told you I not to play you that. Not The other day, I was listening to my yoga ambient station because I was having a hard time sleeping, and I hit the next button because it was like the song was just not working for me. And the next song that came on was Born This Way by Lady Gaga. Oh, dear. And I wanted to shoot myself like, I'm trying to relax. Oh, yeah. Some of the selections in like a genre-specific or artist-specific thing are just like totally off the rails. I know. uh, The repeats are what what is the funniest. Uh, I was at a friend's house a couple of weeks ago, and we had on the 80s station. And I don't know the age of all you guys, but I don't know if you remember the band Missing Persons. Um, Yes. Yes. The song, uh, What Are Words For? Words? Yes. Mm -hmm. It played within an hour. How many times did it play? It played five times within an hour, and we were just (gasps) joking around. We're all walking around the place singing, Do can you hear me? You know, it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) So we're all singing this dopey song, and we were just laughing about it, because five times in an hour. Wow. If you're young and you don't know the song, I really hope that iTunes Radio improves, because I do like it. That's pretty extreme. I love it when I skip songs and then I'm almost done with my skipping because I don't have an iTunes match count. And then it'll play the song I just told it to skip. Yeah. And I'm like, is that some kind of joke? Yeah. And you still I do have, have an limited. iTunes match account and, and you, can only skip yeah, six you, times you still don't get unlimited skips. Yeah. yeah. Six <gasps> times in an hour, eight times. Oh, in an I hour. didn't know it was still yeah. applicable to you guys. Oh, yes. Well, that's crap. It is crap. But you know what? Pandora listeners are in the same boat. Even if you pay for your subscription, you still can only skip six times in an hour. Oh, okay. All right, I don't feel so bad then. Yeah. I want access to Spotify, but I don't want to pay the $10 a month. There's that luxury and necessity thing again. Yeah, you go. Yep. If it had to become a necessity, I would totally do it. Our next number in our game is that the iPad Air beats out the iPad 4 by 80%. Oh, like that's a shocker. Yeah, really? Let's see. What? You've got the 64-bit yep. processor, A7 processor, motion co-processor. co-processor right. You know, faster video. Yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't faster, I'd be shocked. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Next. <laughs> 
Oh, here's one. The next one is like not really great news for Apple, but it's kind of a so what uh, thing. In I, my yeah, opinion. I was going to say, who cares? I, I didn't understand the point of that. It's like, who cares? And, and I think the point is, well, they've, they've got better numbers and it's a sharper display. But in real world terms, number one, who's going to notice? I suppose there are conditions under which people would notice. But the other thing is, okay, so like the Kindle Fire, and I have one, okay? The Kindle Fire HDX, it's a consumption device. Right. It's used for the Amazon ecosystem, and unless you do wacky things to it, like I did by downloading a third-party marketplace and putting on a Mm -hmm. different browser and doing stuff that most people who buy it probably wouldn't bother doing, it's a consumption device. It wants you yep. to buy things from Amazon and right. consume Amazon yes. content and buy Netflix things from Amazon. <laughs> buy things from Amazon. And then after that, you can buy some things from Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, the iPad, yeah, of course, you're supposed to buy things from the App Store, but the focus isn't quite the same. Nope. You're meant to be productive on the iPad and not just buy stuff, but you, you can produce things. And it's more what most people would actually use a computer for. And that's where it's marketed, whereas the Amazon thing is designed for reading and for consumption. The iPad is more for people to do things that they normally would do. Right. I'll tell you what I think this story comes down to, buddy, is money. Mm. You know, I'm sure some analysts said, oh, the Kindle Fire has a better screen than the Retina display on the Apple iPad. Why is it that the iPad costs twice as much? Because they're not the same. Right. And Amazon is practically giving them away. It's interesting how much. Oh, they, yeah. They're they not making. Let's be clear about this, money. people. They are not making any money right. on those Kindle money. Fires. No, they lose money. Yeah. They're losing per- money. And they're making it up in sales of other things. Right. Yep. But they're counting on you to use your Kindle Fire to go in and spend money on Kindle books and to go buy things on Amazon's regular website. And to spend money MP3 on music. Amazon's music store and their movie store. All of those so, things. Like you said, why did they even do yeah, this like, comparison? Who cares? Who cares? But I, I, I honestly w- would like to know who's going to yeah. notice the difference in the display. Because the retina display is so pixel dense that you shouldn't be able to see the individual pixels at regular viewing distance. So who's going to see the difference? And the color I mean, accuracy. Is that short truce or is that, uh, you know, it's like, who cares? Who cares? I'm sorry. The blue doesn't look as blue as it should. It's sort of like the story that's come out about the iPad minis, that some of them with a certain display manufacturer's display have some burn-in. And it's like, well, if you run this particular test and you see such and such, then you've got the problem. Yeah, it's like, okay. But for the most part, you're not going to see it. So if you don't see it, why does it matter? Yep. If you look at it at a 45-degree angle with your left (laughs) eye slightly closed, like, come on. And if it really is a problem and it really is interfering with your use yeah. of the thing, Apple will replace make it right. right. Yeah. So we've got a couple of stories here for you guys about one is a review of the new MacBook Retina display 13 inch. Have I mentioned that I want one? All donations yeah. gratefully accepted. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> me too. It's pretty awesome. I mean, but I think we knew that even when they came out with it in the first place. Really, this review has nothing but positive things to say. They're really happy that Apple's dropped the price. They're really happy about the battery life. Their display is beautiful and crisp and easy to read. So, yay, Apple. Love to go out and buy one, but uh, it is a luxury and not a necessity. 
It is a luxury. I'll tell you what, though. My MacBook Pro is the 2009 Core 2 Duo version, and the battery an upgrade, isn't holding. Buddy. Yeah, the battery isn't holding a charge more than like two hours. Yeah. The right. uh, hard drive seems like it's a little slow. The microphone is plugged or something, so I have to use an external mic with it. Oh, like wow. I could buy a new battery for it, and I could upgrade the hard drive, and you know. Yeah, but by the time, yeah, by the time you do that, though. I really love my Air. I really do. So if you don't need the extra ports and all the extra stuff. Yeah, I probably connect to Ethernet, for example, like once a year. Right. Well, and you're not going to get that on the Retina display 13-inch well, no, anymore, anymore. Exactly. So. And I probably use a CD or DVD like once a year. Right. And I actually have an external DVD burner that would probably work anyway, I guess. Right. There you go. I have the uh, super drive, whatever they call it. Yeah, I don't have the Apple one, but you know, if I needed it, I guess I could get one. So uh, as you guys are aware, or hopefully are aware, the iPad mini with Retina display is now available for purchase. And you can buy it online. Yay. Yeah. Thank you, Apple. They were kind of sneaky. Five days waiting. Yeah time on those really yeah okay but if you don't live near an apple retailer right it's only online they say at least the last thing i read that they're not in apple stores yet oh they're not in yeah. stores at least not yet oh okay you want me to get them online that's good to know there is a lead time on them so right it's like five okay. it's not, five it's to not seven delivered in 24 days. hours yeah right. okay at the time of this recording by the time who knows next week what it'll be but what'd you guys think about this uh next story which is a comparison of the iPad Air, the iPad Mini with Retina, and the 5S. Eh, yeah. Nothing new here. Nah. <laughs> They're all awesome. Yeah, that is like all you must know. Six or one or half, whatever you, you know, what fits your needs. Yep. That's really what it comes down to. And I think that's what people really need to be realistic about. You know, we've had discussions in our household. Do we want an iPad? And do we need an iPad? Because I think the answer is no. But we don't know. It would be kind of neat. So, again, it's going to be one of those luxury versus necessity things. Right. I see a we podcast both really enjoy here. our iPhones. Yeah, I know. And- it should be. <laughs> what? Luxury versus necessity as a podcast title. Certainly our running theme here. But I think from the perspective as a screen reader user, I think if I were going to get an iPad, I'm really glad that the Mini exists um, I don't yeah. like having that large of a screen when I'm working with very small gestures. So I like that the mini feels yeah. more like my iPhone. But there are some things that you can only get on the iPad. Speaking of gestures, yes. though, it just brings to mind one thing that I'm probably going to put in my Kindle review whenever I have the time to write one is that it seems to me that for uh, the screen reader gestures to work, they need to be quite exaggerated. And um, that's kind of problematic. Uh, how long have you had your Kindle? Two, Just three weeks. Over a month. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to bash products here, believe me, but my nephews got Kindles last Christmas. And I know two other people that got Kindles probably springtime. They have had to return them, I kid you not, three times to have them replaced because wow. of problems. Whoa. Just interesting. Bottom line on mine is I don't hate it. All right. But but like I say, the gestures seem to be quite exaggerated for them to register properly every time. Uh And I just simply don't see that, not even with the iPad with its larger screen. You don't have to do sweeping gestures. Yep. And let's be reminded that 
one of the reasons I'm so happy that Apple has expanded their accessibility is that with young children, with kids who have other physical limitations, adults who have other physical limitations, gestures can be really, really hard. Yeah. Fine motor skills are something that people have to learn or develop. And so I like that the iPad is sensitive because I feel like it helps people realize that there are certain things that you have to do in order for the gesture to be registered properly. Right. The one gesture on iOS that it seems Uh to me that a lot of people have trouble with understanding or getting right is the rotor. Yes. I don't have a problem with rotor, but rotor's hard. Yes, I have a few clients right now who are struggling with that, and it's very common that people have difficulty in the beginning with it. For sure. Well, before we break for our PSA and bring you back to our mailbag, we have a story talking about the fingerprint sensor, which... Mm -hmm. I will say 90% of the time I'm very happy with. I haven't had any problems with the fingerprint sensor. I've had problems. I've had a lot of problems in the last couple of weeks. Have you? I was really interested about this article because it's strange because it'll go through a period of time where it works, works, works. Then all of a sudden it's like unrecognizable print. I'm I'm like, what? Yep. Maybe your home button is dirty. Maybe it is. I think one of the things that I've noticed is that if my fingers have anything on them, anything, whether it be water, maybe I put lotion on my hands, maybe I got a little bit of food when I was eating and it's on my finger. If my finger's wet, that's a really big one. Like if I haven't completely dried my hands. You have to use dry fingers. That's a good point. Yeah, you have to use dry fingers. It's very frustrating because you're like, uh... Why are you not working? And then I'm like trying to dry my hand so that it's dry enough right. for it to be recognized. And sometimes it's like, uh, please just unlock. Or sometimes I get frustrated enough that I'll just put in my passcode. So, yeah, I mean, I think overall I've been pretty happy. But, John, I'm sorry to hear that you find it frustrating. Yeah, I may actually have to take mine back, I think, because what's also happened with me is, like, I've erased prints, you know, I've deleted them and redone them. Yeah, right. And they work for, like, yes. a day. And then, like, I have three fingers that I normally use depending on how I grab the phone. And only my thumb right works weird you may well have a problem with yours then i think so i haven't really had any problems with mine good it's pretty accurate most of the time and and if it doesn't it says try again i try again and it works okay so i'm pretty happy with it but just so you guys all are aware there's some noted issues with the fingerprint scanner and if you're having a lot of consistent problems like john is call apple you have this thing it's called a one-year warranty use it (laughs) <laughs> right. And then and if you buy Apple Care or Square Trade or something, then that's all yes. good too. I in fact I bought Square Trade warranty. Oh nice. How much is the Square Trade warranty for all of our listeners? It was one twenty four, like something like that, but I got a thirty percent discount. Oh, okay. I had a discount code. Cool. And it covers accidental and it's like fifty dollars to place an accidental damaged phone and they'll overnight you one all this sort of thing. Okay. That's pretty cool. I did not use it for my most recent thing. I did that directly through Apple. Okay. The thing with my phone's moving screen. All right, guys. Well, when we come back, we'll have your emails and iReports, and we'll see you in a minute. 
Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting. Location. My backyard. Oh, your backyard. Try telling a bear that. I did, and this bear talked back. Talking bear, that's rich. No, wait, it was Smokey Bear. Smokey? Why didn't you say so? I did say so. Continue. I was burning yard waste. No oh boy. He told me to burn legally and responsibly, and to remember that if it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. And as always, he's right. You know, 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans. That means 9 out of 10 wildfires can be prevented. Yeah, I know that now. Thanks to me. Actually, thanks to Smokey. As usual, the talking bear gets all the credit. Always burn responsibly and contact your local fire department for open burning regulations. Because 9 out of 10 wildfires can be prevented. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Hi, this is Jim from Portland, Oregon. I wanted to call just to mention something I heard on episode 23 of Triple Click Home. Alina was mentioning how if someone doesn't have the 5S and it's someone that she's teaching and how it's harder to find the unlock button if you don't have the fingerprint sensor to use instead. I agree that the fingerprint sensor is great to use to unlock the phone, but she hadn't mentioned the fact, and I'm not sure quite why, that you can touch the screen anywhere on the lock screen and then just do a three-finger swipe to the right and it will unlock it. So while that little unlock button is kind of tricky to find, you don't really have to find it. All you have to do is do a quick tap on the screen anywhere and a three-finger swipe to the right. So hope maybe that will be helpful. Thanks. Jim, thank you very much for letting us, uh, reminding me rather, that that is an option for people to use when they're unlocking their iOS devices. I personally have not used that one very often myself, even though I have the fingerprint scanner. One of the things that I have noticed as a trainer, and maybe John can talk a little bit about this, is that sometimes when we implement multiple fingers, we often get a lot more confusion rather than success. So yeah. it really depends on the client, I would say. Sometimes asking them to do a three-finger swipe to the right is not going to be a problem. Sometimes I'm just going to have an aggravated student who doesn't really understand what I'm asking them to do. But it is a good reminder that that is an option instead of finding your unlock button. So we appreciate you letting us know. What about you, John? What do you think about complicated gestures? I agree with everything you said because it's just, you know, some people, when you start adding the additional yep. finger, their brain explodes. It is situational. Wait until you ask somebody to do a four-finger double tap to yeah, uh, bring I, up voiceover help. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Good luck with that. As a tip, Alina, what I've been telling people yeah. to do with that is put the pinky slightly uh -huh. behind the ring finger. And this way, the four fingers oh, will okay. come down yeah. together. Right. And also, one of the things that it's important to note is that from the training perspective, and this probably is applicable to both John and I, is that often we are working with people who have possibly zero experience with technology. Mm -hmm. And so when you're starting at zero you're really going and they're probably already scared of the touch screen of, to begin with yes yeah but it's really a good thing that you did remind us that yeah, thank there you, Jim. is that option it is a good point we also got some emails from people and one that we're going to make sure to post the entire email of is from mike and he has posted about what his experience is of using the windows operating system 
on his MacBook. Yeah, that was a and good email. I actually have to it say really that was. I agree with him. I haven't used Windows in quite some time, but when I had a VMware Fusion version of Windows, I found that it ran very smoothly. And I think, honestly, your best Windows machine is a Mac. And be curious to see what Buddy and John think about that idea. Is is the Mac the best Windows there is? I agree. Every article that yeah. I've read, that it just seems to be that Windows runs better on a Mac than on Windows machines. <laughs> yep. Oh, the irony. Yeah. I can't really speak to boot camp. Yeah, neither can I, but virtual VM, it definitely. But yeah, his observations about battery life on Windows versus battery life on Mac OS are interesting. Yeah. And one of the great things about the Mac, for all ye who haven't bought one and are still sitting wondering whether or not they should, you can run any operating system on a Mac. Right. So if you wanted to use Ubuntu because you're a Linux fan, um, you can do that. So I think it's pretty great that the hardware really just speaks for itself. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Windows operating system, so I'm not going to go into the software argument. But hardware-wise, you can rely on Apple for being a quality product. And I think that it's awesome that they have a great operating system and great hardware because... You know, when you're buying a Windows machine, you're reliant upon the hardware of what other company you decided to go with. And sometimes they're great, and sometimes they aren't worth the money that you paid them. All true. Yep, absolutely. So, Buddy, you want to tell people how they can get a hold of us for Why, yes, I would. I would would love to do that. You can get a hold of us lots of ways. You can email us at resources at serotalk.com. You can leave a comment on our homepage, tripleclickhome.com. You can leave us an iReport through iBlink Radio on iOS or on iOS. I mean, or on Android. (laughs) Where's JJ when we need him? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Or you can call the Blab Line. The Blab Line is back. The Blab Line is working again. 866-997-BLAB. Can I call it just the Blab? Sure. Just, just um, it'll send an email to Jamie, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> nice. How to irritate Jamie yeah, Paul. I will write my Let's version of War in Peace. <laughs> Lovely. Can't wait. <laughs> Let's finish this puppy up with some fun stories. Starting off, you can now get money from Apple for a water-damaged device. Depending on how severely damaged your device is by the water will depend on how much money you get. Not as much as you'd get for one that's not water damaged, so don't spill stuff on your Apple thingy if you can help it. Yeah, and I actually didn't realize that there's a little indicator that tells Apple if it's been water damaged, so I thought that was pretty neat to learn about. There's something on your headphone jack that'll change colors. You know, the funny thing is about that, that apparently there was a problem with those and that like if you sweated profusely, even it would set that off. And so people were having problems getting warranty service. Right. Uh, (laughs) I think they fixed that, but. Poor sweaty palmed people. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you can get money for things now if they have had. And some of them were really, I mean, quite reasonable, especially if the device still works. Yeah, you'll get pretty good money. Whereas I think that sometimes when you send in a water damage device to places like Gazelle, they can really reduce the amount of money that they're going to give you. It all depends on how functional it is. 
This next story honestly made me laugh in so many ways because I found it hilarious and awesome all at the same time. There are a number of things that you can plug into your headphone jack that aren't headphones. And I think my favorite was the Geiger counter. <laughs> yes, I want this thing. Geiger counter. Wow. I'll go down in my basement and get horrified. <laughs> <laughs> If you need to know how much radiation you are taking in, you can now buy your own Geiger counter <laughs> and plug it into your iPhone and All pair right. it with an app that awesome. will tell you how much radiation you're getting. Of course, then there's also the barbecue thermometer. So if you're barbecuing in a nuclear wasteland, then you'll be able to <laughs> barbecue. You know, barbecue and also know how much radiation you've got. I think and the you can have a laser pointer. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Irradiated for your safety. For all your laser pointer needs. And then you can also, now this last one, the last one they mentioned was actually functional in my opinion, which is that you can get a thermom- a smart thermometer. And yeah, I'm kind of curious reason, about that. And if for some reason you want to spend the extra money <laughs> to have your own body temperature right. read to you by your iPhone app, right. <laughs> then there you go. Fun for the kids. Yeah, sure. Of course it's for the kids, buddy. <laughs> Right, along with the stuffed critter on a headphone jack to keep the dust out of your headphone jack. So in other funny news, there's a great article that we have in our show notes that talks about the 17 regular people who met Steve Jobs and the things that happened in those encounters. And I got to say, I'm not a fan of cigarette smoking, and I'm very blatantly honest about that. And I think my favorite story was that he was at a dinner party. Back in the 80s when smoking was totally cool, it was things that you know people smoked wherever they wanted to, and he didn't say anything to the person that was smoking. He just kept on going like Steve Jobs would, and eventually she finished her cigarette, put it in an ashtray next to him. And he it was then still smoldering. Took said, still smoldering, yes. yes. So he promptly takes said cigarette and sticks it in her water glass. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> and I just, I was like, no, that's so awesome. What boldness you have, yeah. Mr. Jobs. One of my favorite ones was the first one where the woman writes to him and says, please do something other than come back to Apple because you'll ruin it. And he wrote back and said, yeah. well, that's, that's possible. But if that doesn't happen, go ahead and do me a favor. Look in the mirror and call yourself an a-hole for me. <laughs> <gasps> oh, that's right. Awesome. That was awesome. awesome. That was fantastic. I liked the one where he got the letter about picking up a girl using his yes. iPad. Yes. And then he used it in the WWDC keynote the next day. Yeah, that one was pretty that was good. Oh, and of course, then there was the one about the uh, person that almost ran him over in the Apple parking lot. Yes. So if you guys want to laugh, then please, please go and read this because it was pretty awesome. And apparently, there are even more stories that are linked to from the story. So. In more awesomeness, we have a great audio boo interview with Karen, and that is Karen, this. the Australian voice, who I listen to every single day because she is yes, my as preferred English voice, and it's pretty great. I think she talks about how she really got into the world of voiceovers and how that all started with her being a singer-songwriter, and she started doing jingles, and then they started asking, hey, would you read this? 
And I found that really fascinating because that's one of the yeah. things that I've often wondered. How do people become voice actors? Right. And she started by singing into her hairbrush. So all y'all that sing into your hairbrushes, you know, you could have a... Anyway. Yeah. She's got like a video. I don't know if it's a video podcast type thing that uh-huh. she produces now. It's like okay. called like Navigating New York with the GPS Girl or something like that. And she interviews interesting people. And this one... Cool. She's interviewing this other musician. I've got a bookmark to listen to because I have not had a minute to do that, but I'm really looking forward to listening to it. But she's doing all kinds of interesting things now with, you know, she's produced all of her own albums, eight of them published. So she's a self, uh, she's an indie artist. Okay. And, um, so now she's doing this video cast and, uh, yeah. Very cool. Very, and very thank cool. you, Karen. I mean, no offense to the person who is the voice of Samantha, but yeah, I just... Sorry, Susan, but Karen just rocks my world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy the South African English gal as well. And, oh, we didn't talk about this, but have you guys played with the new voices on Mavericks? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I like them. Yeah, I've got Allison as one of my alternate attribute or whatever voice, one of right. those voices. Yeah. Right. I've got like four or five different voices saying different kinds of things on my Mac. So it's like I've got a whole oh, okay. course Your of Mac people. Your Mac has a multiple my, personality. Yeah. I actually like Serena, but I don't think she's new. No, she's not. Okay. But yeah, there are three new English female voices that are mm-hmm. There are a couple of male good. ones too. Yeah. There are a couple of male ones? Yeah. Yeah, there I are. I need to look at those. We will finish today talking a little bit about Sprint. And Buddy's a former Sprint user, but uh, maybe, I don't know, this promo sounds kind of neat. I think this promo sounds kind of neat, too. Yeah. Like I say, not a fan of Sprint's data, but... They have a new thing for students where if you buy a phone for its full retail cost and the iPhone is included in that set of phones, I mean, it includes all of their phones... You're better off buying a smartphone because of the promos stipulations. If you choose to participate in this promotion, which lasts until January 4th, I believe, you will have one year of free unlimited text, talk, and one gigabyte of data per month at no extra charge to you. And you can pay 10 bucks and get unlimited data. Correct. And you can get two lines and get two years worth. Wow. Right. Yeah. There's one other caveat to this. It's actually, you don't actually pay the retail price of the phone. You pay a little more than the retail price of the phone. Correct. For example, the iPhone 5S 16 gigabyte retails six forty nine. You pay... No, it's only six, it it's six, it's six ninety nine. Oh, six ninety nine. Okay. So you only pay yeah. 50 bucks more. So you're still coming out way ahead. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have to yeah. be a student. You do have to be a student, but you can be a student of any age. If you are under the age of 13, you do have to have your parents' permission. But this is a. I wonder if taking to... a Hadley course would qualify. <laughs> I don't know. It might. Or a Cavi course. Yeah. It counts for Bookshare. Yes. So that's the cool promotion that they're doing. They're trying to get more students to actually come and join their network, obviously. And it sounds pretty neat. I don't want to be a Sprint customer, so I'm not going to participate. And I just got my iPhone 5S, so I don't need to go buy another one. (laughs) But I think that it's pretty neat. You do have to buy your phone at Best Buy. That is very, very clear in all of their documentation. You cannot buy it at a Sprint store, and you cannot buy it at any other retailer that might sell Sprint phones. You must find a Best Buy, which may be easier said than done. 
I don't know how Best Buy is still in business, so <laughs> I guess I should be happy for this partnership for them. It's an interesting idea. Yep, that yeah. is for sure. Yeah, we'll see. They're only running the promotion for a couple months over the holiday season, so uh, we'll see how well it actually ends up benefiting them as it might be great. It might not work out for them at all. We'll see. Well, that does it for us for this month. I'm sure there are things that we didn't talk about, but I think we covered mostly everything that's important. And uh, you can always leave us an eye report if we miss something critical. We appreciate all of you for listening, because we know that we are blatantly honest sometimes, and that might be a little hard for people to hear, but we don't apologize for being ourselves. That's right. <laughs> who we are. We are who we are. And next month, we'll be having our quarter-life crisis, because we'll be turning 25. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and we hope that you will join us for that show as well. And We probably won't yell at you next month. Yeah, we'll try not to, at least. <laughs> Maybe. Because <laughs> it is going to be close Depends to Depends on what happens, so. buddy. <laughs> Let's not give them promises that we can't live up to. No, there is that. So before we go, I want to make sure everybody knows that you can follow Triple Click Home's fantastic Twitter feed at twitter.com slash triple click home. You can also follow me by visiting twitter.com slash blind perspective. And that is B-L-I-N-D-P-E-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V. Yeah. You can also read my stuff on Blind Bargains or Matilda Ziegler. So those are all those ways you can hear about my stuff. How about you, buddy? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash bbrannan. That's B-B-R-A-N-N-A-N. And um, sometimes I blog or occasionally podcast when I get a spare moment. I haven't done one in about a year at buddy.brannan.name. Yes, really, but probably Twitter is the best place to follow me if you are not. And John? You can follow me at uh, twitter.com slash Mac for the blind or... And he still needs to tweet more often. Yes, I know. But we love him anyway. Yes, I know, I know. And you can visit my website at www.macfortheblind.com where I do occasionally shoot off my mouth and blog and give reviews and... (laughs) generally annoy people. All right, guys, we'll see you next month. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in.